Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the Roker Report. This is the 31st episode you're joining us for, and it's just after the victory over Hull, a very rare victory, and now that we've been relegated, it might seem completely pointless to some. But hey, victory's a victory, so you can't really look at gift horse in the mouth, I suppose. Is it a gift horse? No, not really. It doesn't really, as I say, it doesn't really make much difference, but playing for pride, supposedly. Supposedly the players were playing without pressure. Uh, with regards to whether or not that's actually uh, a feasible excuse, uh, you'll have to ask someone else to be honest, but we're here to discuss the match and everything around that. So I'm joined today by some of the usual suspects. We've got Gav, Jim, Tom and Walshy. How are you lads doing? Evening, not bad. Yeah, good. Yep, honey. Good stuff, good stuff. Gav, what did you make of the match against Hull, my friend? We'll start with you. Um, Very very pleased uh, with with a few of the individual performances more than anything. I don't think the result means anything at this stage because it doesn't, other than the fact we've thrown a spanner in the works for Hull and, and maybe give Swansea the impetus in the relegation battle. But other than that, really, the, the, the performances of George Honeyman, Didier and Dong, um, Jordan Pickford to an extent, I think he was man the match, but you know I don't want to get too much with him because I'm not expecting us to have him for much longer. And... I just think I just think it's it's maybe if I'm going to put a downer on it, it's it's you know too late, isn't it? Really, we've 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 now won a game when it's pointlessly well, it's pointless. <laughs> yeah. other, other than the three that we've collected, it's pointless. And and we're 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 at the stage now where we're just playing for pride. We're maybe trying to give game time to players that will be around next season, which is kind of why I'm I'm hoping he's playing George Honeyman because. For me, that was his best game of the seven or so. I think he's played for the first team since since breaking through. He's he's definitely um, shown at least something that he's that he's you know going to give us an option next season. I don't think he's a world beater, but I do think that he's got something about him, and he he's he's the type of player who um, will go looking for the ball. Will will try and string passes together, link up play. Uh, he's not quick. He's not physically imposing. He's he's quite small. He did miss a guilt edge chance right at the start of the game, which anyone else you would expect to bury. But I'll, I'll give him some leeway, you know, mm. big moment for, a, for him in his career. Really, that first chance presented and squandered it. But you know, overall throughout the game, I thought I thought he he, he clearly took instruction on board, which has been a big thing for me this season. We haven't we haven't had a lot of that. We haven't had a lot of um, you know where you can see during a game which players are. Are taking stuff on board and maybe and maybe 
you know, trying to, to impart what the managers told him to do. I think Honeyman, his role was very clear. He was playing as a central number 10, picking the ball up from Denier and Dong and, and then linking it to the forwards. And I thought he'd done a good job of this. Other than that, I think I think his corner was good to set up the first goal because if you watch the, the footage back, O'Shea he tells him where to put it and he puts it on a plate and then you see O'Shea wheel away straight to Honeyman because he knows he's done a good job. And that's, that's kind of something to look forward to because I do think O'Shea will be here next season. I do think there'll be a lot of young players uh, in the squad next season um, and we're going to be falling back on his experience and leadership really if we're going to do anything in the Championship. So it was it was pleasing uh, from from a first glance and I think I think really... All we've got to do now is try and further um, hinder the the relegation race and go to Swansea now and, and you know give them a good game or at least bring, bring them to the stadium and give them a good game and give the home fans something to cheer about because it's been an absolutely dreadful season and and really these th- this performance weekend you know couple it with another win and you know people will be looking more forward than backwards you know and and that, that's that's really the main thing at this stage we aren't we aren't going to um, we aren't we aren't going to impress anybody if we don't start winning games again. It's simple as that. It's a bit like Newcastle towards the end of last season. They went into the championship season with momentum, and I think that's crucial. Really, regardless of who's here, we have to go into the next season with something about us. Otherwise, you know, it's it's all been for nothing this season. That would be a shame because we're just going to lose players. We're going to. We're going to lose momentum. We're going to fall even further behind before the season's even started. So yeah, I, I, I think I think overall it was a good display. Fair enough. Yeah, it was. I I'd agree with most of that. I think um, we were, we were decent. Um, I think Hull bottled it. If I'm completely honest, uh, it was probably their poor. It was certainly their poorest performance at home under Marco Silva. I expected a lot more from them. I think we all did. Um, they let. They didn't really. I think they just they choked when they went forward. I think. Maybe the occasion, and the, they knew that they had to go and win the game. I think that that was lying heavy on their shoulders. <clears throat> I think Jordan Pickford had it was absolutely outstanding. He was man of the match. Um, I really hope we can keep him next season. Whether this be either keep him permanently or or, or sell him and then look, they can loan him back or something. I'd love to have him around because I think he he can get you ten, twelve points on his own. Mm. Um, he really is that good. Well, defensively we were decent. Lamincone was better. John O'Shea was solid, and he kept um, kept Nias pretty quiet. Um, Billy Jones got a goal, which is good. And um, yeah, I think, I mean, in midfield, I mean Didier. I'm, I'm a big fan, of, like you lads. I know we all are, but he just he doesn't hide. He imposed himself. Didn't really lose possession. Um, he was in charge, and I thought. You know, he, he he was a really decent performance. I thought George Honeyman was, you know, he's he's much better than he was in his previous games. I think he showed a lot more composure on the ball. Um, he looked more more a more accomplished footballer. I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um, he's looked a bit like a rabbit in headlights in previous games, but at Burnley in the cup in, in a particular one. Um, but he was he was much more pleasing. Um, yeah, he looked a lot more accomplished going forward. I don't think we offered that much, if I'm honest. I thought Anichibi was was fairly poor. Mm. Um, I don't think he's since coming back into the side. He's not looked anywhere near as imposing as he did during that spell in like November, December. <clears throat> I wonder whether that was just a bit of a flash in the pan, and we're you know we're not we're not going to see that at Victor Anichibi 
again, I mean, his career suggests that we won't. Um, Defoe got a goal, but to be honest, I think that was all he all he offered all day. I thought again he was fairly poor. I think his head's gone, um, and he, he didn't really offer too much, which is sad to see. And Fabio Barini's just a headless chicken. Um, but all in all, you know, we won. It's it, it was good for the travel and support. I thought the, the fans looked absolutely fantastic. You know, they, 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 they looked like they sung for 90 minutes and silenced those whole fans. Um, so good win for them, but I'm just hoping that this doesn't paper over some cracks, in inverting commas, mm-hmm. uh, and gives Ellis Short, you know, a bit of hope that maybe Moyes can turn around because it looks like if he can get a couple more results this season, he probably will be here next year. Mm. Something to look forward to for us all. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, well, what did you make of the match, mate? Uh, Billy Jones diving header—that was that was pretty good, and he didn't even seem that bothered that he'd done it. Um, yeah, it was it was a nice nice day out, uh, mugging hole off from start to finish. As has been already mentioned, they they did bottle it, and they had a, they were woeful, woefully bad. And Mohamedou was terrible, and Love they couldn't. That. Yeah, the. Like holding around any ideas, really, and then they looked they looked so scared going forward because he had they had that a bit of a spell in the first half where they think we should be winning now, and then they're like, as long as it went on, we got more confident. I was I was uh, thinking it's like we're not going to lose this. As soon as the first one went in, I was like, we're going to win this quite comfortably, and we did. Um, I thought Honeyman, even though I don't particularly rate him, was good, busy, lively. And Dong again is showing why he's the best midfielder we've got, and it just I don't know it just seemed to work for a change, which is very annoying at this stage of the season. That and it suggests to me that maybe I wouldn't put anything down to Moyes because it was just a, again for some reason Casbury wasn't playing, Barini based on nothing gets put back in the team, yeah. um, and it says to me these players. They've not been trying hard enough. The the is there. The organisational uh, skills are there. The the getting a goal when we need to is there. It can be done, and they've just not wanted it at all this season. And it, it's well, it's a good job Defoe scored again at the end. It was an offside goal because he was awful. He was absolutely woeful, and the chance we say he doesn't get. It. He got three really good opportunities, and. And the one where Pickford put him through on goal, it, it should that should be meat and drink for him. Um, and this argument that he doesn't get service, well, he had three or four chances, like pretty decent chances where he should be scoring. And like you said, he's probably not bothered anymore because he knows he'll be off to London or Bournemouth or whatever. Um, so, yeah, but the day out was good. Um, glad that we could have an away day that's actually been enjoyable instead of fans um, arguing with each other or getting annoyed at each other that was kind of dissipated it kind of it was kind of bubbling under at the beginning and if we would have gone behind and got a bit of a pacing then yeah it would have all come out but it was it was nice it was nice to have after a season of complete misery just these like one one spark or one ray of light but I wouldn't read too much into this because half the team's not going to be there and we're still going to have this clown in charge next year. So, yeah, great day out, but... Yeah, nothing really to get terribly excited about. Tom, what do you make of it all, mate? It was a great win, and like all the lads have said, it's just nice to actually win a game. My issue 
um, I don't know how to really put it, but it, it really almost comes at a loss of having any real genuine chance of change. I'm worried that it's like a, a quick fix, mm-hmm. like Jim mentioned, that people genuinely think, now, nah, oh, well, you know, just get behind the manager, it'll be great. I think what you can point out is the fact that it took, what, 30-something games to actually find that playing a number 10 works. Mm. It took 30-something games to realise if we play with two up front, we look more threatening. It took 30-something games to realise that Didier Dong is not some sort of advanced playmaker or winger, that he's a ball-winning midfielder who can then distribute to players who are in a sort of who were technically better at finding that killer ball. So for me, the win was great. It was nice, and I thought we played well at points. And I really did. I've been kind of shocked looking at some um, media outlets gave Honeyman quite a, a poor rating. I've seen sixes and six and a halves. And for me, he was he was the sort of cog in the machine that kept everything going. Um, he very rarely wasted the ball. I think he had like close to a 90% pass completion rate, which is superb really for... A young lad who's five foot eight and you know easily pushed off the ball to, mm. to be able to recycle a ball that well is really impressive. But you've got to ask either him or Kazri, why did it take until relegation to figure out that that works? We've cried out for it for years. We've said like we said at the beginning of the season, we need to buy a ten or we need to play Kazri or we need to play somebody in that ten role that links midfield into attack. Mm. You look at Hull. And you can clearly see Marco Silva came in and thought, right, what's the easiest way to get into the opposition area? Let's play direct football. Let's have pacey wingers. He gets Markovic and Grisicki. I'm going to get myself a couple of big forwards and just put ball after ball into the box. And for them, that's worked. For us, I think we've just hovered around thinking, what do we want to do? Van Arnold came out at the beginning of the season and said that Moyes wanted them to play this like uh, possession-based system that played out at the back. And I didn't say that happened. So are they just trying that in training and it's not working on the pitch? Or does nobody know what they're doing? Or is there like has this season been written off from the very beginning and they've thought, fuck it, we're going to go down and mm-hmm. we'll uh, reassess and come back again the next season? For me, it's like it's, ups- it's not upsetting to win. It's lovely to win. And it was actually you know really nice to see, like Gav said, O'Shea run over and celebrate with Honeyman. And I know we'll get to a question about how important will the youngsters be but for me it just it really highlights how tactically and systematically unaware we've been all season Mm. we still didn't really look as if we knew how we wanted to play in all honesty we and like i say it's just infuriating that we haven't had any sort of tactical nous this season and we haven't played any specific way and it's just my worry is that like the lads have said, if this paper's over the cracks a bit and we pick up a couple of wins and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, it's just a, it's a blip for most of the season and we'll come good. My worry is then that, like, did they withhold money and say, like, oh, well, just work with the youngsters that you've got? Mm. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we haven't seen the likes of Gooch and Asoro thrown in. I think uh, Moyes himself will probably be kind of worried that funds don't come if, if they keep picking up wins like that. Yeah, And it's just... I hate to be a pessimist, but it, it, winning is worrying in a like really sick and twisted sense. It's it's like a little bit of a worry. But like I say, it was it was nice to actually sit and watch the game yesterday and celebrate a couple of goals. It, it counts for nothing, but it winning nice. has become a worry. 
Winning yeah. has become a worry. Yeah. It really has. Just, can we just it let really us has. have this moment? <laughs> winning has become a worry. Well, as staffed as it not, sounds, not six just, games we've had. It's no. I mean, I knew we were going to be going down, but I thought you know this would be the kick in the ass for Ella Short to think you've mm. invested so in, provided so such limited funds in comparison to every other team that he would realise, crap, this is a wake-up call, players will leave, we'll have to invest to come back and put ourselves in a good position again. I'm worried now that if we manage to play well the remainder of the season, that Ellis Short will kind of mm. hedge his bets and think there's enough quality within the club to actually see us through. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I won't take the win away from anyone, and, and like the lads have mentioned, the fans are beyond brilliant. But... Uh, it, it opens up like another can of worms. It's it's like a box within a box. It's like we're some sort of demented babushka doll that, like, when you pop one open and you finally think you're there, there's, like, something else. And it's just... Uh, <laughs> just I, hurts. Can, I completely agree with that, actually, with what Tom's saying. I can completely see his point. I mean, even if that's, that's quite a, a massive conspiracy theory or, like, a massive worry to have, even if it is a small amount, do you know what I mean? He, he's right to an extent, like, when it comes to playing Gooch and things like that, when... If if they are made to look better than they are, for example, playing against Hull, who, from all accounts, just couldn't be asked with the game or just couldn't hack it, then yeah, there is there is obviously there's a precedent there for the person in control of the purse strings to turn around and say, well, you know, the more players we've got performing admirably towards the end of the season, I can I can completely see that. So I can completely see that. Also, for me, for my part, um, I, I do agree with most of what Tom's just said. Like, without taking the win away from people, because it's nice to just. If you take it aside as a standalone, it's nice to enjoy your weekend. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you're travelling with your mates, or whatever. It's it's nice to to have that feeling. And I, I suppose in a way, it's it's even better. I mean, listening to the fans singing to the whole fans like you're coming down to the championship with us. Do you know what I mean? That was it, it, it's being able to take a sort of sardonic, um, well, joy out of it. Now that we're past that point, now that relegation the relegation is confirmed, we can just we can finally relax and breathe easy and enjoy it. But yeah, aside from that, and for me, I think that's a very small comfort to take from it. Aside from that very small comfort, it concerns me that, well, for me, it, it, it raises so many more questions. We've spent such a long time now questioning the squad, questioning the manager, questioning the plan. And in reality now, if, if, if they start to, like, as has been mentioned, if they link together, if it's just one win and it pipes over a few cracks for people, fair enough, let it let it be what it is. But if it then leads to another win and another win and another win, you can't help but raise the question, where was this? Do you know what I mean? And people could say, oh, there's no point crying over spilt milk. Well, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, we have a right to demand and expect that information. Do you know what I mean? We we need to know, especially if we're going into the next season with the same people, with half the same squad and the same manager. Do you know what I mean? We need to know exactly where the problem went, where it all went wrong before we started uh, averaging these wins. So... I mean, it's it's a dodgy one, but yeah, at the end of the day, a victory is a victory. The three points mean nothing to us, but it means crippled Hull now. <laughs> Certainly pretty nasty for them. You've got to feel bad for them. But yeah, moving on slightly, and Dong's been mentioned, and so has Honeyman. We want to talk to we want to talk to you guys about and Dong specifically and Dong because he seems to be getting a bad rap. Some for some reason, there are still fans who are convinced that he's not a very good player. Now, far be it from us to tell you what you should think although that is kind of our whole purpose of being here, to be honest. But 
in reality, you've got to look statistically at Dong. You've got to look at how much money we purchased for him, how uh, we purchased him for, how much money we've actually paid for him, the the attitude he's had since he's come in, the progression he's made. Do you know what I mean? Like um, Gav talking about Dong. Statistically, you've got a few stats for me. Do you know what I mean? What? Give us an example of why he's a quality player. Um. Well, I mean, I'm I'm his biggest fan first and foremost. I think he's brilliant. Um. I've been impressed since day one when he came in. I know a lot of people weren't. A lot of people kind of begrudgingly watched and thought, why did we not buy Jan and Via? Why have we bought this guy? And, you know, I think over, I think time's eased that because it has to have eased it because we haven't had Jan and Via since yeah. last season. You've got to just grow to accept that, you know, we've got Didier and Dong, who, for me, despite being less experienced than Jan and Via, um, less ready to jump straight into the environment that he did. I do think he's been a bigger success across the season. I think he's been our most consistent player this season. I think Defoe's had a dip in form. Pickford was out of the team, injured for quite a while. Um, you know, other than that, who who have been our top performers, really? For me, and Dong has never been out of the team. And when he does play, he's a 6 or a 7 out of 10 every week, regardless of who we're playing, regardless of the result. He never puts, he never lets us down. He he, he gives his all, um, but first and foremost, he, he has got quality, and I, I I do I do worry that people kind of bypass that because they're still pining for a player who who never signed for us. And just to give an example um, of of what Ndong did the other day, um, he actually made and completed more passes than any other Sun and player which you think well he's a centre midfielder so he should mm. but it just shows you know he, he takes charge he takes charge in the midfield 33 completed passes is actually quite a lot for us especially considering Hull were in charge of possession for much of the game um, particularly though they, they aren't generally a possession based team we sat deep and I think that kind of threw Hull and that's maybe why we won but that's, that's by the by um, he does you know, tend to fail, fail a lot with these passes, which, which his medium uh, uh, long range passing is pretty suspect, I find. Mm. Uh, but it will, it can improve. He's still young, you know. Um, but just, just generally, I find, I find that he's, he's a very busy, active player, and he doesn't get enough credit for what he does for the team. And I think, I think if he stays next season, I, I do think he will, because I don't see anybody stumping up whatever he, we we believe he's worth on a balance sheet, regardless of how much we paid for him. He's still worth thirty million pounds to the club. On top of maybe if he's improved, does does a club then have to come in and offer a little bit more to take him off us? I can't see that happening. And I think I think it's probably best for his development that he stays here because he's actually starting to settle in. We've we've seen the last couple of months, especially a more well-rounded version of him. And for me, he goes anywhere, and it's it's all been for nothing. I think another year, especially in a league where midfield players are are, are going to have to dominate the ball. Mm. Um, I think he'll. I think he'll do fine for us. So, um, I, let's say I just want people to give him, you know, more of a chance. I think. I think you've got to kind of consider where he's come from. He came from a French-speaking country at the age of what, 21, 22. Um, never played in England before. Straight into a team who have struggled since day one, and you know the expectation on his shoulders has been massive because. You look at the, the the variation of midfield partners he's had across the season. He's, we've never had a central midfield all season. He's literally the only player in that central midfield who who has been in the team pretty much every week because everyone else around just can't stay fit. I think if you consider everything, 
And then consider the fact that he's probably been our most consistent player, whether people like like it or not, he has. Because you look at every game in isolation, that guy doesn't put, he doesn't let us down. And, mm. and I think you've got to consider all of this and then think, yeah, he's a good player. But still, I've had to feel like criticism on Twitter through our account. People, there's people still don't rate him, and that's obviously their opinion. I just don't agree with it. I think I think you've got to look at the bigger picture, and you know, I think next season he'll prove those people wrong. Money. I'd, I'd agree because, look, at the start of the season when he signed, David Moyes would not have wanted him to play. He's played 29, 29 games this year. That he would not have wanted him to play even after that. At his age, coming in as raw as he is, um, he would have hoped that you know he'll play him in some of the more comfortable games, play him in the cup. Um, hopefully, having someone like Kershaw alongside him, and, you know, learn and um, hopefully, you know be a bit solid and our midfield this whole season has been so unbelievably passive Didier Ndogan has been one of the few players who hasn't been he no matter how many times he does misplace a pass or he has missed some chances he never cowers or he never shades away he always shows the ball um, and I think that shows a hell of a lot for a lad who's 20 as Gav said he's 22 he's come from France he doesn't speak the language um, never played in this country before I think you've got to give him a tremendous amount of amount of credit mm. I really do I think if if this had been one of the youngsters coming through um, people have been shouting about him all year I think he's had a, a fantastic impact a really really great impact and I mean he's not let, let's be honest I mean we're not going to get big bucks for him if they try and sell him in the in the summer so I'm hoping you know they keep hold of him they get another full season I think he could be a really really important player um, I think in the championship more than more than ever, you need someone who's got legs and someone who you know is was willing to stand up for the fight. I think Didier Ndong's one of those. I really do. This is it. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking about the the idea of of giving out statistics and and fighting the corner of Didier Ndong. <clears throat> Sorry, but for me, what, what's so mad about it is that I watch Sunderland play and he's clearly one of our best players. Do you know what I mean? If, I mean, even if you just if you're talking about every single player on the team, he's clearly one of our most effective players. Now, if you're talking about our midfield specifically, he's easily our best midfielder. Do you know what I mean? And you'd have to be blind not to see it. I do wonder if it's... <laughs> is it not something to do with the fact that he's got that ridiculous McDonald's french fries hair and everyone's fo- so focused on that that if he just slips up slightly, they'll notice it because you can't help but see him. Do you know what I mean? You can't help but see his, his bright yellow head. But yeah, there's, a, there's obviously a lot to do with that. A point made earlier, actually, by Gav about Mvia. I wonder if that's not like a little bit more true than than perhaps we're we're jokingly suggesting. Like in reality, people do have um, th- this idea of what they want. Do you know what I mean? When we go into the transfer window, and there was this obviously there was a massive furor over it. We wanted Yan uh, Mvia. We wanted him. We felt like we needed him. He, he did so well for us. We had so many fantastic memories of him. And the whole saga carried on, and then obviously we we went without it. Now, regardless of what he's done since or the reasons we didn't get him, it is it does make me wonder if that that's not a massive part of why people find him or find him dong comparatively. It's it's not the one they it's not the one they wanted. Do you know what I mean? So so when Moyes said, "Oh well, we're not getting them via," but look, I've got Didier and Dong. Then those people went, "Oh well, who the fuck's he?" Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd rather have. We'd much rather have Yanam Veer. And then it's hard to let go of that, isn't it? It's hard to let go of that idea as time goes by. Obviously, if he's not banging in the goals, 
which people visit. I've, I've heard people suggesting that he should score more goals. I don't know what they think a, a midfielder is. I don't know what they think their remit is. Do you know what I mean? Um, personally, when I saw him do that like 25-yard strike, that was fantastic. And I, I think you sort of spoil you're spoiling yourself if you think that he's gonna he's gonna come out every match, you know, and produce shots like that because that he was wouldn't, pretty. Um... He wouldn't be playing for us, dear more. No, exactly. Exactly. Bike, exactly. Uh, just sorry to jump in, oh, okay, David, but. Okay. Just imagine if Didier Ndong was British. He's 22 years old in a relegation-threatened side. I wouldn't say he dominates midfielders, but he's incredibly tidy on the ball, winning. He's energetic. He scoops it up. He distributes it. People would be calling for him to be in the England team. Mm. They'd, they'd be calling out for him to be in that Fabian Delph kind of role. And you've got to ask yourself, like, just let's take Delph as an example. Is Didier Ndong... Like that much of a worse footballer than Delft? Probably not. No. They do a very similar job. They win the ball back. They drive forward. And this is where I think the fans think he's some kind of playmaker, but he's not. His entire job in, in our team is essentially to be like an energizer bunny that runs around, harries the opposition, wins the ball back, drives forward, and distributes it. Like I, I, I think you're right. We have such unrealistic expectations mm. of what he's supposed to do on the pitch, and you know Moyes is probably to blame for that in some way. He's played him in the in that like sort of attacking midfield role. He's played him as a right winger at points. He's, I've seen him move him a right back during games. The lad is essentially he just sits in an ideal world. He sits in the middle of the pitch, wins the ball back, can chase anybody down, and he can shield the defense very effectively. I don't. I think you're right. I don't know what the fans expect from him. And uh, Jim mentioned this point before when we were chatting. Um, people talk about him. Villa. He was anonymous for a while last season. It wasn't as if he grabbed us single-handedly and dragged us to safety. You know, he he didn't do that either. So I think as fans, sometimes we live in a little bit of a, a fantasy world about what we genuinely expect from a player. And like the lads have said, he's 22. He's doing phenomenally well for his first season in the Premiership. And people bring up this, oh, well, he's worth, thir- we paid £13 million. Villa paid an absolute fortune for Conor Hurahan from, from Barnsley. Mm. And I would, I would honestly, hand on heart, say that Ndong's twice the player he is. I think we live in like a world of um, football and finances now where people's expectations are really morphed by finances. And... The Indong deal will not have been thirteen million pounds leaving our account yeah. and going into Lorien's. It'll it'll be in sort of small chunks. It's almost like buying a player is like a mortgage, mm. and you know it could be a thirteen million. But for example, there might be clauses within that agreement about how many goals he scores equals a certain amount of money, how many appearances he makes, how many international appearances he makes. We really don't know the ins and outs of the deal. Thirteen millions quoted we will have paid nowhere near that much. Mm. I'd be I'd, honest, I'd be willing to gather we'd spend less than £3 million on him for this season. And like the lads have said, you know, if he goes down the championship and has an absolute blinder of a season, his value is going to skyrocket. So in essence, he's the kind of buyer we want that looks big on paper, really isn't that big in the short term, the amount of money that we've paid for him, but it could really pay off in the end. And he's that kind of player that Bain and Moyes have spoke about on going on this journey, the journey in uh, quotation marks, obviously. He's the kind of player who fits the remit of being young enough to have a lot of years left to play football, buy him for a fee that some people might think is big, but in the current climate of football finances really isn't. And he's undoubtedly one of those players who in three, four years' time we could sell on 
for two, three times the price. In all honesty, mm. so I, I totally agree with what everybody said. It's 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 not out of order because you're allowed an opinion on a player, but it's we're getting totally carried away with what we think Didier and Dong is mm. and or should be like. And just sort of not noticing the actual impact that he brings, you know. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a shame for him. Hopefully, over time and with the championship, that'll um, that'll give him a little bit more limelight, and he'll get the credit he deserves. Hopefully, let's hope he doesn't have some sort of downturn in form. Just because I've said that. Just moving on briefly, then, uh, Walshie, you said earlier about Honeyman that you didn't rate him. Any particular reason? Um, I just don't think he's very good. Bear in mind, I've seen. I don't watch the reserves, um, but. He's been obviously he's been thrown in the deep end. I can't remember who he played, but he he came on as a sub. Every pass was wayward. He looked like a fish out of water. Granted, granted these past two games against Bournemouth and against Hull, mm. now he's been thrown back in. He's actually a bit more composed. But again, like yesterday, he played well. But Hull were a really bad team, and they they were petrified. And we're playing with zero pressure on us in games where it just well it doesn't matter and yeah he played well um i just don't think um i don't think he'd be able to like cut it at the championship level he's not exactly had a long list of teams sniffing around or wanting to take him out on loan which is what usually happens with these kind of players and he's something about his contracts up at the end of the year and it's just i don't know if this is a case of we're playing him to show other teams that he's he's half decent, or we're actually gonna play him next year, and I don't I can't remember if there's um there's a clause in his contract where he has to play so many games and he gets this new contract, and I guess if that's the case, if he plays a bit more towards the end of the season, then Moyes has got this option, he's got this like quite easy option. So, well, we might not have to buy another midfielder or like as many midfielders because Honeyman can do the job here. Um, and I think it's a bit of a risk. And it's not as if he's, he's young, but he's not that young. Mm. So, and it's the, like, if you look at him, we were talking about in Dong, they're two similar positions. Obviously, Honeyman's more attack minded, whereas in Dong's not. But uh, Ndong's two years younger, or he is younger, and he, there's just the vast difference in those two players at, at a similar age. If we see, like, Ndong is so comfortable playing at this level, whereas Honeyman, yesterday aside, can look a bit lost. And I wouldn't want to be relying on him next year as, as like, a, you know, like a mainstay in our, um, our midfield. I mean, obviously... He gets a bit more leeway because he's a local lad and everyone likes, you know, local mm. players in the first eleven. But yeah, I'm not I'm just not convinced. If that's the level of players that's gonna take us into the championship, then it might sound harsh, but then we're gonna be struggling in that league. Right, yeah, fair enough. Well, talking about Halliman, we've got a few players to discuss really when it comes to the subject of uh moving forward, really. Is there any positives we can actually take from from the rest of the season, the remainder of the games we have. Gav, what would you make, any positives we can take specifically out of a good run at the end of this season? One one thing would probably be that if previously underperforming players start to play well, we might actually make some money in the summer on them. Mm. I, don't, I, I don't think that's a bad thing at this stage if Fabio Barini scores a couple of goals or Lamin 
continues to play like he did on Saturday, it's not really a bad thing at this stage. It's gonna it's gonna bug the life out of us because. You know, we know they're capable of more than what they've shown, but if they can put themselves in the shop window, then it's probably a good thing because they're not going to be here anyways. And if we can, we can drop some interest in the players that we don't want to keep, then great. Mm. Um, other looking, than that, looking, really looking at players like Honeyman and things like that, and take from their involvement. Um, well, I'm, I'm not so sure. I agree entirely with what Thomas said. I do get what he means. I think, I think that. We, we can't rely on Honeyman, we can't rely on Gooch, we can't rely on Donald Love, they're not ready to compete at that level. You look at the the squad it's taken Newcastle to put together or, um, or Brighton to put together, filled with championship experience, filled with players that are at least proven to an extent to level. Um, you can't then fall back on the likes of, of Honeyman, Love, Gooch to play every week because it's just not going to happen and we then have to look at them and think right well we're losing maybe 10 players already before we even start offering out new contracts mm. then you've got the ones who are going to leave because we're just not going to keep them you've got to look at the likes of, of those players as I've mentioned and, and think well you know we're going to need squad options we're going to be playing three times a week um, can the, can they be a part of the squad can they fill in when, when they're needed because we're still going to need squad players ultimately, so that's what I, that's where I see Honeyman. I don't see him as, as a player who'll start every week. I see him as a player who, if we've got a tricky midweek tie away somewhere, and I don't know our our wingers carrying a knock, it might be can bring Honeyman in and try something different, as opposed to building a team around a player who really doesn't have a lot of experience in the first team. So ultimately, I think between now and the end of the season, if if I can draw any positives at all from playing them, it's it's just to give them a little bit of experience of what's to come. Because Honeyman, I think he's only really got about 10 abuses as a first-team player, and he's nearly 23. So the more he plays between now and the end of the season, better for him, really. Mm. Because I think, I think he obviously got an extension in his contract, which it appears we're happy enough to do because Moyes is starting him in games. So um, it at least shows us that putting a bit of faith in a young player and that's all right really if, if there's one thing we can sort i don't really want to give him credit but you can sort of give credit to Moyes for is that he has gave these young players opportunities this season maybe because of injuries and stuff but you know ultimately there are there are a lot of players there who who have played made their name or at least been part of the first team of season who wouldn't have previously so yeah him him and perhaps pickford have been have been, you know, two of the, the the main the main rays of sunshine, I guess, to come out of that whole game because mm. they're both outstandingly, well, not outstanding, but good young players to come through the system. And I hope, I just hope that it doesn't mean, you know, run right about Pickford there. Pickford, if he goes, it's, he's going to have to go for a big fee. Moyes spelled that out after the game. I think that's perhaps one thing we can give him is that he's knows a manager who doesn't let his players leave unless we get decent fees for them and I think there might be a new precedent set for teams coming in for Pickford ultimately there's nothing much to go off in terms of goalkeepers in world football when you look at fees other than Buffon years ago um, or Toldo years ago really they don't traditionally go for large amounts of money I think Jordan Pickford may well book the trend mm. I can see him leaving for a lot of money and I think it's kind of good timing we are going down he's shown that he's more than capable at this level probably going to be an elite class goalkeeper you look at the top clubs in England at the minute and you can make a case for all of them needing a new goalkeeper in the summer so mm. 
I think it's probably a mix of good timing and the fact that somebody has to really break the bank to sign this kid. So, you know, important performances like he gave on Saturday um, further aid our quest to sort of break in it into a decent uh, fee and maybe maybe challenging the market in a way that no other club have with young goalkeeper Pickford is, you know, when, you, when you're comparing it to the money that Man City spent on John Stones, for instance, I know they're not playing in the same position, but a young English player who the whole world are raving about it takes big money usually to get these players so why shouldn't it take that to get a goalkeeper of Pickford's quality so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm veering off a little here but for me it's 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 important that we now forget about the season I don't I don't think obviously what, what Tom said earlier about you know masking over things and maybe the, the changes that we make next season I don't think we need to consider that too much we have to just kind of look at it now and go right we're down we're relegated what do we do now? How do we how do we give ourselves the best chance of progressing next year? And really, it's about putting players in the shop window at this stage. And if we can win against Swansea and Coney and Pickford and Barini even have good games, it's probably not a bad thing, is it? Mm. What about you, Jim? What do you make of it all? Any anything to say for the momentum of this at the end of the season? The players, anything for them? <clears throat> um... I, I I do agree with what Gab's saying. I, I, if 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 we can get some good performances out of you know the the few sellable assets we do have, that's certainly a positive. If if we can get a bit more, <clears throat> uh, to play devil's advocate, you would say that are they going to give their all? Are they going to be rushing into fifty fifties? Are they going to be giving their all in the way a youngster would? Um, I probably think they wouldn't. Um, I mean, looking at the youngsters, I mean, if we quickly scoop back to, to, to Honeyman's performance against Hull, I mean, he had the best passing accuracy than uh, of any player on the pitch, both sides. More take-ons than anyone in the Sunderland team and set on pitch overall. Most crosses of anyone other than um, Grotsky for Hull. You know the lad. The lad. The lad really did impose himself on it. I mean, you talk about take-ons. You you talk about a player who's taken the ball, and of the four take-ons you try, three of which are successful. You think that's a player who's trying to possibly positively impact the game. Now I understand that while she while she's not a big fan of him and, and doesn't think he's going to be able to to impact games at championship level. Championship level. I'd actually disagree. I'd say that's those stats there show that. You know, he can do it against a team who are, you know, pretty decent at home. What's to say he can't do that given a run of games in the championship? Um, mm. I think he looks more than handy. I think uh, certainly they should certainly give him a new contract if it, if it is expired at the year. I think giving the lad, um, you know, 20, 20 odd games in the championship. Not he's obviously not going to be someone plays every single match, but you know, you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday, aren't you? Most weeks. A player like Honeyman can be a really, really good asset to the squad. I mean, he had more of an impact against Hull than Fabio Barini's had all fucking season. You know, I, I, I can't wait to see the back of Barini myself. I was clamouring after him at the start of the season when he was injured to come back in, mm. hopefully give us a bit of a lift. And, you know, when when Watmore got injured, I thought, well, actually, Barini's almost an upgrade. You know, he'll have a really good impact. He works, he sucks off. But I, just, I think he offers absolutely nothing. He's been absolutely abysmal this year. I mean, how many goals has he scored all season? Is it two? I mean, he scored a blinder at Old Trafford, and that's 
pretty much all I can think of. Um, and even that was when the game was lost. You know, he's he's not the player we thought he was. Um, I don't know how much money we're going to get for him in the in the in the summer. I don't know what you lads think. If we can if we can get five or six million for him, I'd be I'd be surprised I'd because be amazed if we can get that much yeah, for him based I, on. Yeah, I mean that's what they'll want. Yeah. Well, you would have thought they'd want five or six million. If you can get five or six million for Fabio Bruni, maybe uh, a mid mid to lower table um, uh, Italian club might take him. You know, I, I just don't, I just don't think he's up to it. I, I think, think the he sensible needs to... thing with Barini to do, sorry, cut in. I think the sensible thing to do there would be to loan him out if we've got enough to length on his contract. Try and give him some, try and loan him out somewhere where he's going to get like a new lease on what he's doing to maybe find his feet a bit more and see if because it, it, for me personally, um, and we've said before, we've we've argued for Barini on this podcast. We've said that he's he's shown that he has a, a level of class at times, and it seems to be completely missing now. His form's dipped. Dramatically, I mean, what I will say for him in the whole game, I caught him defending again, which is something I, I know it's it's not a lot. It doesn't mean the world to have a, a forward player come back and defend, but he's got energy. Do you know what I mean? It's something like, see, how much can you say that a man's given up that his heart's not in it if he's still chasing the ball up and down the pitch? Do you know what I mean? I've, I've seen him make some terrible decisions, and I've seen him make some Auckland some awful, awful shots or attempts at shots on goal. Do you know what I mean? And passing, he's been selfish, he's been greedy. It seems to me like he's quite a self-absorbed person. I know, Definitely. shock horror. <laughs> shock horror that there's a self-absorbed Italian footballer. But <laughs> on that, do you know what I mean? I think that's a, a big part of his game. I mean, he was one to talk about the the mental coach when he was on loan from Liverpool, and he was talking about visualisation, how you've got to visualise the goal. Do you know what I mean? I think... That whole sort of people who connect themselves to that sort of pseudo psychology when they're in football, um, that, that's the sort of person they have to be. They they believe a lot in themselves. It is all about willpower and determination. And I wonder, similar to how we've said that, or how a lot of people have said that, without the pressure, we've been performing slightly better. I wonder if that would be better for him. So if we could send him out on loan, and he then just on the off chance that he, he spends six months breathing some better air, do you know what I mean? Or with a team that perhaps plays to his strengths or, or whatever they might be at the moment. Uh, um, perhaps then that would knock up his valuation. I'm not talking about bringing him I, back, do you know what I mean? But send him out. He needs to visualise his way out of here. Yeah, visualise his way to the exit. Visualise it so we get our money back because he's never, ever going to... If we want to get back to the Premier League, we want to bounce back straight away. Mm-hmm. He may be a decent championship, championship player. He might be, you know. But I just don't... I just think... These are the kind of players we need to move on. We need to move away from someone like Fabio Barini. I've said it time and time again on the show where I just think if he hadn't have scored emotive goals, mm. I don't think the fans would have given him as much time as we have. Mm. I think if he hadn't scored against the Mags and he hadn't scored in the Cup final, um, you know, it's he wouldn't have had as much time. Mm. His goal against um, West Ham a few weeks ago was a prime example of how self-absorbed he is. He'd been utter utter dross for months and he was rightfully taken out by David Moyes mm. yet comes on scores a goal which you know any player on the pitch should score really and goes and goes and slides in front of the manager he's self-absorbed he can he can do one for me <laughs> fair enough Tom what do you make of it all oh, on the, I guess just on the topic of Barini and go in general and mm. youth players uh, I guess I have a little bit of respect for Moyes for not ch- just chucking the kids in as soon as we got relegated because I think that's a, a surefire way to to hurt someone's confidence, especially in a situation as tricky as ours when people know there's going to be a, a huge rebuild 
um, that needs to be undertaken in the summer. Just, just thinking, though, like the amount of players we do have who could certainly add some depth to the team next season. Um, you've got the likes of Watmore, Gooch McNair, Love, uh, Strychek, Soro, Embleton, the Robsons. There's a lot of young lads there who quite rightly could maybe pad out the squad somewhat, which is nice. Um, but for me, that it's it's not so much the is- issue of personnel. I know that's going to that it is going to be a big deal in the summer, and you know transfer rumors and all that's going to come around, and we're all going to be swept up and losing our minds over it. But for me, it's about finding a system. Like I said, it took us this long to figure out a player with two strikers and a number ten. How have we tried to play all season? Uh, do we know? Do the players know? Uh, to me, that's the issue that needs to be addressed before anything. Like I said, Marco Silva walks into to Hull and he knows he wants to play that four-five-one with wingers. Um, do we know how we want to play? Do, 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 we look like I've I've already mentioned, but I really do think this is such a big point. We look tactically inept, mm. and I think that the what we need to do now is, and perhaps the game against Hull has maybe given Moyes some food for thought, but. We need to think about how we want to play next season. Do we want to play the old-fashioned four-four-two with a, a little and larger front? Do we want to play some kind of four-five-one? We need options regardless, but now's about experimenting and maybe giving the likes of uh, Lyndon Gooch a trial out wide, um, giving the likes of a Soro 20, 30 minutes from the bench, just you know to, to give them the opportunity to stake a claim for their place. With regards to when we're talking about Barini, I'm... Um, Slightly anxious again in the fact that the likes of Kone suddenly pull out a, a really good performance as we're relegated. Um, are they doing a Musa Sissoko and just looking for a move ahead of next season? More than likely, in my opinion. I think that is the only way we'll get better. And I'd love to think that there's some real big conspiracy going on where Short, Moyes and Bain truly believe that the rotten core of the club is is the playing personnel mm. and they want to sell as many as they can, bring in as much cash as they can and, and start again. I'd love to think, that despite all of the, the negativity from on the field this season, that behind the scenes they've had something in place thinking like it's going to happen, we're going to go down let's set this plan, let's stick to it and I think the fact that Moses stayed perhaps gives a little bit of hope that there is something in place long term and They've bought into the idea that, yes, it's short-term, it's really going to hurt the relegation, it's going to sting, but that they can come back stronger. And you, you look at people like Southampton, went all the way down to League One, mm. but bought into a system, bought into an ideology. They've got Les Reed there as, like, they're not really a director of football, but are basically a director of football. And they seem sort of in, sort of resistant to any kind of damage thrown at them. And I think we need to do something like that. We need a vision... We need some kind of idea tactically and financially how we're going to improve. And I, I genuinely hope, I pray that that is the the positive to take from this season, that despite the crap, despite the, the heartache of being relegated, that, you know, just sweeping the decks of the likes of Berini, the likes of Coney, the, the, negative in, the negative sort of impact on the team... You imagine Cornea refusing to play in Southampton earlier in the season. Mm. How must the other players feel about that? So to get rid of people like that and to, like I said, just to clear the decks of all that absolute deadwood that's really hurting our chances of thriving as a club. 
that I think is the only thing that you can take from a positive. And one thing that's going to help that, like the final point, is giving young players a chance. Yeah. Um, Wabi Kazri's under pressure now, and Barini's under pressure now. That David Moyes can give George Honeyman a chance, and he can complete of his passes, provide great set pieces, and look like a general nuisance. Uh, it, to me, that's like the gauntlet laid down now. And like uh, I mentioned, my worry is that perhaps short chickens out on investment because of that. But at the same time, on the flip side, it, it is a good thing. The like I say, Wabi Kazri now, or Fabio Barini, or whoever plays in that more attacking midfield role now has to emulate the kind of performance that George Honeyman gave. All action, athletic, action-packed, energy-driven. Um, cliche you want to insert into there. He gave it, and he might not be the world's best player, but athleticism, hard work, determination, and discipline get you a lot further than the likes of Fabio Barini posting Instagram videos all the time. So for, so for me, there is positives to take, and I know we'll, we'll carry on talking about this, but I think the likes of Honeyman coming in the team, it is a positive, and not necessarily just from a football inside, but from the, the knock-on effect it can have for the rest of the club. Mm, fair, very good point there. And on that note, like just before we move on, um, just ever so slightly, talking about what you've just said about Honeyman and his level of energy and things like that. I think that's something we also spotted in Gooch and that's something we also saw in Watmore. Do you know what I mean? And having, what I noticed was that Honeyman was desperate to chase the ball down. I mean, and you so rarely see that in players who have, who were slightly older, you know, perhaps, or who are more used to the league they're playing in or they're feeling a little bit more sorry for themselves. It seems like the younger players, whether it's fleeting or not, they, they have an, an eagerness, do you know what I mean? To pursue the ball, to, to make themselves known. And I don't think that's just, uh, coming on as a substitute do you know what I mean halfway through a game or towards the end of a game yes obviously they have to put in a bit of pace and effort to make an effort in that small amount of time they've got that small window but I think that's something that I'm looking forward to that's a positive that I'm I'm going to look forward to certainly with uh, introducing the youth because we saw that already we saw it before Watmore got injured and we saw it before Gooch got injured and then coupling it with Honeyman do you know what I mean that's something that's certainly something that I think will be surprising to a lot of championship teams if, if we can or if Moore or whoever's in charge at the time can manage to get and can manage to match their enthusiasm with their ability do you know what I mean and yeah I think that's a, something wonderful to look forward to without a doubt I mean we haven't got very long left, but uh, there's just one thing I want to bring up really before we have a little chat about the Swansea game. It's it's basically about the blame. It's about where we place the blame, or rather if there's any need to place blame anymore. I mean, obviously in the build-up to uh, confirmed relegation, we wrote a lot of articles and uh, we did quite a few episodes on this podcast about who exactly was to blame for Sutherland's plight. Um, what what could be done about it? Do you know what I mean? Whether it's short, whether it's Moyes, whether it's short for his his consistent uh, hiring, firing of bad managers, or rather lying to managers, or for whatever reason, or whether it's the managers themselves. Now, the question I have here for you guys is: What do we take from that? Is is there anything that we can actually? Is it, is there any is there any use? Do you know what I mean? Is there any point anymore is there, of looking at who's to blame? I said earlier that we need to know where it went wrong do you know what I mean? so that we don't replicate those mistakes. That's personally how I feel about it. Gav, what do you make about the whole blame game thing? Do you think we should do it or do you think it's time to just let it go and just move on? I can't let it go. That's the problem. I can't let it go because, I mean, if we'd lost this weekend, we would have been on... I, I actually think this show has been fairly positive <laughs> compared to usual. But, I mean, if we'd lost this weekend, we would have been playing hell again. 
because that's the nature of a football fan, isn't it? So I, I guess it, it ties into that, that thing earlier. We can't let one win mask over the feelings of the season, really. Ultimately, David Moyes has been an, an absolute disaster. I don't give him any credit for yesterday's display, bar given Honeyman's start. I think that's the best thing he did yesterday. Other than that, a lot of fortune. We took some chances. We didn't take them all. We had some very good chances that we didn't take and it required a, a man-the-match performance from our goalkeeper to keep the clean, keep the goals out. So I do think that, you know, it was nice to get a bit of luck yesterday and it was nice to see us win and it was nice to see Pickford play well and then Dong play well and Honeyman play well. Um, but really, the, the issues still exist and I don't want to sit and point fingers after every game, even when we're winning, because it's obviously counterproductive. But what I do think is that we have to take whatever positives we can. We have to combine them all together and we have to figure out how we use those to be a better club next season with or without David Moyes, with or without big players like Jermaine Defoe and Jordan Pickford mm. because it is there is a high chance that they won't be Sunderland players in a few months' time. We have to take whatever we can from this. Like I said earlier, if, if, a, posit- if, if a player like Coney plays well or Barini plays well, or Pickford play as well. Let's see that as a positive look. We might make some money off it. Let's look at that and think it's going to help next season. I don't think pointing the finger at Moyes is, at this point, going to do us any good because we've been over it a million times this season. We know he's not done a good job as a manager. I mean, to put it bluntly, he's been awful. But really, we've got to try and now just look at it and go, well, you know, the sticking by him. It was made clear the other day that... Uh, after talks with Ellis Short, Moyes has kind of been reassured of his job. I, I would like to think he's been reassured about how much he's going to have to spend because I got a feeling after the the, the, the game when we got relegated, escapes that we played, Borah maybe, um, he, he, he kind of gave the impression that he wanted to speak t- to Short before talking about his future more clearly. Mm. We know he spoke last week. We now know that he's come out in his press conference and gave assurances that he'll be here next season. So, regardless of your opinion on David Moyes, you have to think that those talks were productive and that he got something from it which he feels he can take in the next season. So, uh, do I accept? I don't really want to accept that he's our manager because I, I do hope that Short has some epiphany and decides to just get rid of him and bring in someone more suited to the job. But if we're going to going to play along with this idea that he's going to be manager next season then we have to kind of draw whatever positive we can right now and mm. hope that he that he has this this reinvigoration next season that sees them come more than they have been this year because he is he is traditionally known as a manager who gets the most from his players that is organized that is a tough negotiator that is shrewd in the transfer market well everything that we're told about him has, has been proven wrong this season and it's up to him if he is to prove us all wrong again so um, I'm, I'm trying my best to be positive but I'm, I'm, I just think we can't we can't let this one result affect our outlook entirely mm. I agree and you know what there, there really is a positive to take uh, the finances got released this week mm. and the bleak reading don't get us wrong you know we're like we lost 33 million pounds last year but if you if you go through and look a little bit deeper just uh, one great example is like our our commercial turnover we managed to grow. So that, to me, that points to the fact that we 
we perhaps knew our time was up mm. and we're trying to grow parts of the, the football club that in the future we're going to need. So we get that £100 million a year, we owe £68 million to the, the, the bank, the SBC banks. I'd love to think that we take the relegation money and we pay off the money we owe to the banks because that's crippling us. Mm. The rest the rest of our debt we owe to Ella Short. Now, that's and, and that's interest-free. So essentially we can save a lot of money going down this year in a really mm. weird way. The expectation goes. We don't need to try and buy fantastic players who we think, you know, give us the chance of finally becoming stable. Clear the deadwood out. We may need it, hopefully. I think, you know, we've already mentioned Pickford is going to go for somewhere around twenty million. We'll make a massive profit on him. Massive profit on Kone. Uh, Kone goes, Barini goes, Kazri goes, Defoe goes. Huge amount of wages off the books to reinvest in personnel who hopefully follow that Martin Bain, David Moyes plan of buying young raw players like Didier and Dong, cultivating them into into winners who want to play for the badge and selling at a huge profit. It's a really, really, really good opportunity, if it's managed well, for the club to become something that is um, something we want it to be. We want it to be successful, but we want players to play for the badge. We have an opportunity to do that. And I think in a really sick way, our whole financial position is something to be a little bit optimistic about, if it's managed well. If we can clear off that debt we owe... Um, we've already mentioned in a few episodes we believe there's like 50% reduction of wages come the season's end via relegation. That's a clause in the players' contracts. We massively reduce our expenses because of that. We clear off the debt we owe to the banks. We still have parachute payments and we still have profit that we should make off players. Fingers crossed we can put ourselves on a level playing field in the next few years and we can turn around and think, you know, that relegation was the best thing we could have. However, to, to to go back to your original point, mate, about the scrutiny, should we be scrutinising them? Yes, mm. because we've managed to catastrophically fuck so much up over the years by appointing the likes of Margaret Byrne and Saxon Court of the club, Gary Hutchison, another one, who tried the best, but they just they don't have the nous and the experience in this sector of, of financial of the financial world, essentially, to make a profit from this club or to put us in the right direction. So, yes, this, the scrutiny needs to be here because Ella Short and Martin Bain need to know that we're not happy. And if we're not happy, that forces them to think about what they're doing. And instead of being so sort of carefree to appoint people who have no experience in ridiculous roles and support Tanzani- Tanzanian miners' childrens and all that absolute guff, they might actually turn around now and think, you know, we're a football club. What do we do? Okay, we sell shirts, we sell tickets... We make money from banqueting and conferences. How can we best do that? Mm. And we can make money from player sales eventually, which is, is in essence what Martin Bain says is the blueprint for this club. So yes, the scrutiny needs to be there because they need to know that we're pissed off, which will force them to make decisions that were, I don't want to say more conservative, but definitely more logical in their approach. So yes, the scrutiny needs to be there. And yes, we need to see this as an opportunity, basically. Moyes might not be the, the the man for the job right now. I'm just hoping that we have a positive summer, that we can maybe end the season well, that we can bring in players who infuse us, and we can kick off next season looking like a team that has been sort of reborn from the fiery ashes of um, dropping down into the championship. And maybe I'm be- being wildly optimistic, but... I really deep down. To <laughs> I, yeah, I want everybody wants it to happen. Yeah. But 
I'm sort of quietly optimistic that mm. we can do it. I just think we fans, we need to have that scrutiny, but we, we also need patience, which is something we're not very good at. So it's it's up to them now. But yes, they know we'll always back the club. They'll know we'll spit with dummy out when we're not happy. But it's it, like I say, it's up to them now to, to show us, to demonstrate to us that this plan, this cohesive strategy for our club, and if we see it coming come into fruition, we'll be, be 100 million percent behind David Moyes and mm. Ella Short and Co. We haven't seen it this year. Let's just hope beyond hope that this summer brings some good news and we see some, some signs of movement. Mm. Absolutely. Again, you've made some bloody good points there, particularly when it comes to the idea of how much we could actually profit from relegation. I mean, we should, just really quickly before we finish up, we if we cast our minds right, right back to, uh, well, to about six, seven, eight months ago now, we were talking about what sort of financial benefits we'd, uh, the club would stand to gain uh, from relegation specifically. And it was, it was, it was very much a, a, well, it was a numbers affair, wasn't it? You know what I mean? We we're trying to work out how much money we could, would come in through parachute payments. Do you know what I mean? And so on, how much money we owed. Obviously, with the finances released now, we, we can have a little bit more of a of an educated look at that, but yeah, to what you're saying there, the the fact that if we do go down, well, obviously, sorry, if we go down in the in a situation where we've got that hundred million and it goes straight towards our debt with the banks, do you know what I mean? Then then that alleviates a lot of the pressure with regards to purchasing players for the championship and that idea. You, you know what? I didn't even see it now, really. I didn't even consider that. I always thought that that was more of a conspiracy. Do you know what I mean? So it was a big worry. But again, looking at, looking at that that way, on the flip side of it, doesn't that mean that there was a conspiracy? Is it still not possible that that was the intention all along, that people knew and we, we knew what the score was? So we knew win or lose, stay up or relegate, there there was a plan, potentially? I don't know. I don't know. Speculation, as I say, we, we won't ever really know, will we? We won't know until Short comes out and he's a lot more honest. Well, uh, yeah, that's about all we've got time for today, guys. Thanks very much for listening to us. We will be playing Swansea next week, and we'll have another another podcast for you then. Just to leave you with a few thoughts, though, as we're, we're going to do from now on. The reality of our relegation and... The situation we all find ourselves in as fans is, it can be quite grim, do you know what I mean? There's a lot of stick that you get, as a Sunderland fan in particular, from from most other supporters, you get the odd uh, the odd nice fan will turn around and say, oh, you know what, I'm kind of gutted Sunderland are going down, you know, and they're a good team, good, good fans. But the majority of them seem to think that we were just hanging around like a bad smell. Now, it's easy to see why, do you know what I mean? We've had a lot of bad press in the last few years. But things like, specifically about the away support, Seeing that and hearing that atmosphere at Hull, even with that that very small victory, even though it meant nothing, it clearly meant everything. As we've said, it meant everything to the fans. For those young players coming through, to be able to see that, if they see that before they go in the championship, if they see what will happen if they're good, if they play well, if they exceed our expectations, and our expectations are very low. Do you know what I mean? All they have to do is go out there and play with heart. If they see that and they see what's waiting for them, what kind of rewards they can get. Do you know what I mean? To have all of these people adore you, to know that they believe in you, that they believe that you're playing for the shirt and playing for the city. I mean, if I was a footballer, apart from the money, that would be a fantastic... That would be all what it's about for me. Do you know what I mean? I would love to walk out there in front of those fans and have that adoration washed over me. And I think if we focus together as a team, if we focus together as a fan base on that, on those, on those positives... Uh, and look at the young lads specifically coming through and 
hopefully believing that they're doing it for us. Do you know what I mean? It's not just now they're in the championship. It's going to be a lot harder. Um, and there's, there's not really much left to play for at the end of the season, as we say. So we might as well play for pride. Whether the older players are doing that or not, or they're doing it just to put themselves in the shop window, I don't know. I don't know much care. Um, but it's clear and it's obvious that come next season, we'll be relying a lot on these young lads. So here's to them, really. Let's hope that they can they can pull through for us. Well, thank you very much for this, guys. Uh, yeah, don't forget you, the audience, can subscribe to us on iTunes and Acast. Uh, by all means, please do check out the Roker Report website. That's rokerreport.sbnation.com. There's some fantastic stuff on there day to day, so you don't just have to listen to us and wait all week for this beautiful stuff. Thanks very much. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you all next week. This is the Roker Report signing off. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.